I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge. If you've never heard this show before, every educator we have on is nominated by the people who listen to the show, people like you. We think that teaching is a unique profession and that almost everyone has a teacher or coach or counselor who inspired them or helped them become the person they are today. So tell us about the person that comes to your mind when we say that. Shoot us an email at teacherslounge at niu.edu. And who knows, they could be on the next episode of this show. Today, Shelly Tranchita is on the show. She's a physical education teacher at Sycamore High School. I think a lot of people have some preconceived notions about what PE class is, you know, based on their own lived experience in school and every single portrayal of gym class in any movie or TV show I can think of. And Shelly's mind-body fitness classes are really something very, very different from that. Much more holistic approach to health and wellness, especially with her kids struggling with this stress and anxiety of the pandemic. We recruited a full day every week in my classes, my mind-body fitness classes, of meditation. Learning how to meditate, learning how to how to focus on your breath to ease some of the high emotions and to make it to the day, to shift your mindset. I talked to Shelly about what her PE class looks like now that some of her students are back in person while still juggling a computer full of remote students, and about, as she says, how physical wellness is a vehicle for mental wellness. Before our conversation with Shelly, we've got one other feature story for you. And this is one that's about homeless students. Now, by federal law, homeless students are guaranteed a right to education and other services. But during COVID-19, it's more difficult than ever for schools to even identify them. So here's my story about the mission to find those homeless students. This school year, schools identified around 420,000 fewer homeless students than last year. That would normally be a hopeful sign, but not during the pandemic. Advocates say there aren't fewer students experiencing homelessness. It's just that schools can't find them. Deb Faust is a lead area homeless liaison. She helps schools across over a dozen northern Illinois counties identify and provide resources to families according to the McKinney-Vento Act, which guarantees the right to education for homeless students. I don't know if I believe we've got less kids. I just think things are falling through the cracks. Last year, Faust says they identified close to 4,000 homeless students. This year, they've identified 1,500 fewer students, the majority from Rockford Public Schools. If they don't get identified, they may not know they have the right to education. We don't have a lot of shelters for families to even live in, let alone our unaccompanied youth, the kids that are not living with their parent or a legal guardian. And if they're under 18, the shelters aren't able to take them, you know, so it's like, where are these poor kids going? Faust stresses most of these families work marginal jobs or even losing a little bit of their income is devastating. They have tried to maintain their jobs. They have tried to be good stewards of their resources. And based on whatever is happening, they still have fallen into this McKinney-Vento situation. Staggering unemployment rates have pushed many families out of their homes. Barbara Duffield is the executive director of Schoolhouse Connection. They're a nonprofit that advocates for policy and helps provide direct assistance to schools and communities. Most children who are experiencing homelessness are not in shelters. They're not in motels. They're staying temporarily with other people where they're really at their mercy. That means they're excluded from rent relief, eviction moratoriums, and other federal homeless assistance. Moving from couch to couch could also expose families to COVID-19. 
And schools are a lifeline for homeless students. It's more than education. They offer food, support services, and a safe place to learn. But in the age of remote and hybrid learning, meeting those students' needs is more complicated. According to a survey from Schoolhouse Connection, internet access and shelter housing are students' two biggest unmet needs. Erin Strauss is a homeless student liaison and counselor in Rochelle. She's made home visits to drop off computers for remote learning, but she says they still have a handful of families without reliable internet. Internet connectivity is just, it's a constant battle for us, and we've tried different avenues to get hotspots for education, and it's not easy. It's taking forever. The district also drove a bus around the different locations in the community as a roving Wi-Fi beacon. Strauss has also seen families on the brink of being homeless struggle to get government-subsidized housing paperwork approved. This particular family was doing everything right. Everything that we suggested, everything that the apartment housing was suggested, and it just seems that, you know, there was, there was nothing that they could do. Deb Faust says remote learning often puts those students out of sight of the people who notice they don't have a permanent place to stay. The identification of these kids come from all different type of staff at the district level. I mean, bus drivers, because they're seeing where the kids are getting on and off. The cafeteria workers, of course, the nurses and social workers. Schools have been using food and tech deliveries to give out McKinney-Vinso information. They also have to rely more on community groups, too. Unfortunately, the grant funding Faust gets from the McKinney-Vinso Act can't be used for everything. They can't directly pay for rents or utilities, which she says is the most common request from families. Along with education, she says they can set them up with a link card for food and help them get emergency child care. And they go through a lot of gas cards in the winter, especially in places like Rochelle without much public transit. Barbara Duffield with Schoolhouse Connection stresses that because of the trauma caused by homelessness, the solution is beyond just housing. You have to have education. If these children and youth are going to have a fighting chance of getting a job that pays a living wage, of being healthy in the future. The CARES Act didn't allocate money specifically for homeless students. Schoolhouse Connection is lobbying Congress to pass the Emergency Family Stabilization Act, which would provide flexible funding for schools to meet housing and health emergency needs. Duffield says before COVID-19, public schools identified a bit more than half of homeless high school students. With hundreds of thousands not being counted this year, experts say up to a million students could be without the services and education they're guaranteed. All right, now it's time for my conversation with PE teacher Shelly Tranchita. Are you in the, the classroom as it, as it exists now? As it exists now, yes. So it's, it's, it's different, though. So uh, when we started school again, we didn't have students, right? So right. Um, I shared an office with two other PE teachers, and obviously we couldn't really share the same office anymore. So um, we all got shifted out. So now I'm in, like, a separate locker room with, like, an office within a room. So... I'm here. Yes, I'm here at school. I was going to say, what does it look like for you? Are you guys partially in person now? So January 19th, we started a hybrid slash parallel um, return to learn um, transition. So um, we have some students that come twice a week, uh, a limited population that come four days a week, and then some students who are remote the whole time still. Oh my gosh. It's it's so interesting. When I was Mm -hmm. thinking about it, I, I realized that the last time that we talked was less than a year ago, but that was one of the last real in-person stories that I did. And I remember being in that classroom, there was a room full of students on their mats doing poses. It felt like I was in like one of those $200 Orange Theory classes. <laughs> and the fact that that was less than a year ago, 
and so much is different. I, I have to ask, like, what is it? Fast forward to now, like, what does it look like for you now? Yeah. Well, just when you say that, or when I see photos of last year, I'm like, is that real life? Did we used to gather in these large groups, like work out, breathe on each other? Like, it's so different to think about because now- you, I, yeah. I, I, I'm even at the point where I'm watching an episode of Game of Thrones and I'm like, why isn't Jon Snow wearing a mask? What's happening? Right. <laughs> right. It looks just crazy, right? Yeah. Um, so it looks really different now, obviously. So we were full remote until January 19th. So I was teaching via Google Meet, right? Sometimes live. Uh, so there's these new words in education, asynchronistic and synchronous, synchronized, you know? So sometimes I was live with my students. Sometimes they were doing videos, reflection forms, things like that. Um, now it's, it's, I have some students, um, you know, that come in and it's limited. I have no classes above 15 students. Um, we are all sitting, standing, moving six feet apart. We all have our masks on. Um, I usually, you know, when I teach in the field house, I try to have um, some sort of air circulation. So even when it's cold, I'm cracking uh, the garage doors. Um, even though it's January and you know, the temperature today was six, I have fans on in the indoor gyms that I'm in that don't have outside circulation. Um, I'm wearing a mask, you know, I, I wear two masks, you know, uh, I wear a microphone all day long um, so that I could project my voice without yelling and spreading more aerosols, um, more, more germs. Um, the day is short, so our students are here from 7.45 to 12.58, so it's an abbreviated day. Um, they're not changing for PE. We close the locker rooms for safety precautions, so what we're doing in classes is a little bit less than we usually would do. Um, I didn't even think about locker rooms, but that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, so it's different. You know, I've only been in this model, you know, two weeks, not even really fully two weeks. So I'm just learning every day and trying to be present every day. And I think there's just something um, like that is kind of my biggest intention is like, okay, we are here together. Like, oh my gosh, we're here together in the same room. Now, what can we do, right? Let's stay safe, stay healthy, keep ourselves safe, safe and healthy in our community and each other. Then what can we do? So, um, yeah, it's just day by day, figuring things out, failing a ton, you know, um, and finding those successes along the way. So it's been like two weeks so far in this model. Does it feel 40%, 60% similar to what it looked like before the pandemic? Like where on the scale of one, or is it just a one? Is it just completely different? It's so different. It's, you know, it's my... You know, I used to go into class and like put the hammer down, like, let's do this, right? Let's get on it. Let's move. Let's screw. Let's see what we can make happen. And now it's like, okay, first, everyone, you know, clean your mat off. Okay, good. Now everyone take your shoes off. Like, it's just so different. It's, it's slower, which is great in some ways. It's less, which sometimes less can be more. Um, and, you know, you really, through everything, I think everyone is just, realizing how grateful we are for the little things and just being able to actually be in each other's presence, and, you know, do the thing in person. Um, you know, there's a lot of great parts to what's going on and there's a lot of challenges and it's ever changing. It really is ever changing. 
I know. I, I know that one of the things that you've talked about before is like the aspect of community within the kind of health and wellness of it all. Being in person, albeit with these very obvious and necessary barriers of masks and distance, yeah. does it feel like it opens up that community in a stronger way or does it still feel two weeks in just kind of weird and awkward? Um, that's a great question. I think that it makes, you know, an empty school has a bit of an eerie feeling to it. Um, it really does. Um, <laughs> a lot of echoes. Yeah, a lot of echoes. And, you know, many days when I'd come into work, I wouldn't see any people. And even for myself, like, I, I had a dose of, like, holy smokes, like, working in isolation by yourself really affects your mental, your mental health. As someone that has been working uh, pretty much remotely for the last 10 months, uh, I'm, uh, my main coworker is this, this little dog toy that I have at my desk. That's been great. But yeah, the, I'll tell you what, the midday sanity walks have been 1 million percent necessary. Yes. Yes. I, I've taken up walking too. And I keep telling it to my students, like I've I've developed my therapy, my own personal therapy for myself is walking, you know, it's really just being outside walking and, and it's great for the body and the mind and the emotions, but, but yeah, so there's so much, you know, and my job was never really a computer job. Uh, I entered grades, answered emails, created lessons and things like that, but I was always interacting at times. And now that's even different. So when I'm in person with my students, sometimes I have a computer full of students as well. You know, they're streaming in, they're parallel learning, they're at home, we're in person. So it is just like reimagining, you know, how I attack this, this job and making sure it's hard to make sure that you create an environment where your students at home feel just as much as part of the class as the people who are here in person. You know, like I said, some, some of our population is fully remote. They're not coming in. So they are as much part of our class and our community as the students here in person. So it's just finding this, finding our way along, along you know, the lines of virtual and in-person life. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a hybrid world now. <laughs> I think it's going to be for quite some time. When you were in the spring and in the fall, I know the spring was kind of completely different animal, but in the whole time that you were doing it remotely, what did that look like? Because I was thinking about during the last time we talked, you know, you mentioned that you had been doing some kind of like YouTube health and wellness stuff. And I was like, does it, does it look like that when you're doing it remotely? Sort of. Last spring, sort of. Last spring was like, you know, you've heard it, you know, on the news, but we were building, we still are building the airplane on, you know, the way up. So it's like figuring stuff out. So I was live a ton and I was just in the basement, rolled my mat out. And you all join in Google Me with me and let's do class now. Um, it's a little bit more refined now. You know, we build some infrastructure around the online platforms that we use, how we do the schedule for the students, how they roll through their day. Um, where they see their grades, how they turn assignments in. So that's all been refined, just more organized for us. But yeah, it's me sometimes live, you know, talking to my students and, and working out and doing it. It's me recording myself, making videos. Um, it's me diving into online resources. You know, and I, in a way, I feel like I have a little, um, a little bit more ease in that because I think that 
there's all these platforms now for, for health, wellness, and fitness. You know, Peloton is, is blowing up. It's like <laughs> that, right? I had a Peloton-related question. I was like, do you get into yeah. Peloton these days? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm just kind of following the formats of those, right? And kind of just standing on the shoulders of like, you know, people who, who created online content for health and wellness, you know, previously. Yeah, I know. And I know that a lot of your classes are, you know, you're balancing the physical and the mental of it all. Probably, you know, I would think especially like in the spring and maybe even in the fall too, does it feel like you're skewing a little more towards the mental? Obviously there's the physical component to it, but like, how can you not? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Yes. I've always taken the stance too that like your physical wellness is a vehicle for your mental wellness, you know? So, but even more now, like I think that we're just dealing with different emotions and different ones that we've never experienced before. You know, there's this poem that uh, it says we're, we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Everyone is experiencing this different. We all have this umbrella, but you know, some people have a, a luxury cruise liner and some people barely have a, a wooden boat and a paddle. So yeah, just to honor where everyone is and to, you know, feel what you feel and something that we've I have dove into, um, and I know some others as well, is, yeah, like in mental health. So we've included a full day every week in my classes, my mind-body fitness classes, of meditation, learning how to meditate, learning how to, how to focus on your breath to ease some of the high emotions and to make it through the day, to shift your mindset and to work through the challenging things. Yeah, so we've dedicated a whole day to meditation we still do yoga at times, which is beneficial. We still get our heart rate up, we cardiovascular, muscle endurance things. But yeah, it's all, you know, let's do this and, and make ourselves feel better. Yeah. How can we how can we improve the way we feel and function? It's so fascinating to me. Like even when we talk about the, you know, your sanity walks, like a big part about that is it's way more mental than it is physical. Like obviously, you know, going out and moving is inherently physical, but I even think about, you know, my favorite, you know, exercise using quotations is like, I'm a trail runner. My whole family are runners and marathoners and stuff. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was one of the few things that hasn't really changed much during the pandemic, right? Like going out me in the woods by myself running around is pretty much the same. Like I'm still alone (laughs) running through the woods today. But I feel like a huge part of that is actually is I feel like I get more meditation out of that than I do exercise and just kind of trying to be alone with myself. And like one of the few parts of my day that I'm not distracted by anything else. Yes. And I think that that's that's so fascinating to try to think about. And and meditation has been something that I've tried to get into, too. And I'd love to talk about kind of the tips that you have for, for people. And when I say people, I mean me <laughs> that might want to get into meditation. I feel like we should just leave like a 15 minute segment of just dead air that everyone could just like be with themselves for a minute during the middle of the podcast. Right. Right. Well, that's so interesting because yeah, meditation, you know, it's really important to ask the question for, you know, for whom and when, right. It's, it's like kind of like you use the word quote unquote exercise, right? Like exercise comes in a lot of different formats and looks a lot of different, it looks different for a lot of people. So, you know, for whom and when, what do you, some people enjoy a five, 10 minute meditation. 
just to, you know, get away from the technology stimulus of the day and just to de-stress. Some people meditate for 30 minutes a day for personal transformation, right? So it's really for whom and when, and it comes in different ways too. Lead meditation, quiet meditation, laying down, sitting up, right? Walking meditation. So yeah, I, yeah. So when I approach that to my curriculum, I approach it in a broad, a broad sense, right? Because when I say to whom and when, it's my high school students who are individuals, right? So I kind of have to be a little bit broader with it, but it's to, again, the way that you use the word exercise is to allow you to feel and function better throughout your day. So it's a lot of focusing just on your breath. So using your breath as your anchor. So a grounding source is your inhalation, your exhalation. So we focus mainly on that. Um, you can call it a lot of different things. You can call it, you know, focused meditation. You could call it anchored meditation. You could even dive into like, you know, some deeper meditation. But um, it's just finding an anchor in your day and becoming present in the moment as opposed to uh, projecting into the past, projecting into the future. Um, just find stability in um, in the moment in your breath. Yeah. Yeah. Again, even with me for running, I've learned that, and I think this is something that especially for distance runners they think about, and it's something that I've tried. I, I ran my second half marathon this summer. Congrats. And oh, thank you. Yeah, that was not just a setup for uh, <laughs> for congratulations. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. but. Uh, one of the things that actually I, I think that my brother or my dad, who are both marathoners too, brought up to me that I was using was a kind of mantra during that, that is very meta, which is like just saying, I am here to myself, or even just yes, thank you to whatever it is, whatever it is, like the pain of that moment. Sure, it's all part of the experience, it's all part of the run, it's all part of you. And that again has been really, really positive, even just throughout the course of the day, you know sitting here at the same desk I've been working at for the last 10 months of just being like, I'm here. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's so much power in finding the presence. There's so much power in just saying like, okay, right now, this is where I am. Yes. There's a lot of chaos going outside the world, but like I'm right here. I can only be right here. I can only be myself. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of power in that. There's a lot of, um, uh, release in that moment. Yeah, I know that yoga was a big part of what you, I don't know about it in, in class, but I know for sure that that's something that, that is really important to you. I was listening to, you were on a show that I believe was a, with another colleague of yours at, at the school <laughs> during my, my research for the show. And you said something about yoga that I thought was really fascinating. You're talking about kind of like how there's a saying that there's like four things that makes a positive yoga practice, right? There's like the 25% each for, you know, yourself, your teacher, your community and time. Is that something that you feel like you have to be even more like conscious of um, during your curriculum, trying to learn, do all this during a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that, that, that 100% of responsibility, that shared responsibility of success. I apply that to so many things in my life, right? Like no one's an island. You didn't get here on your own. You're not going to get to where you're going on your own. Um, and it's good to know that you don't know everything. And then that last 25% time, like time isn't valuable. You learn so much with time. You gain wisdom. You know, it's just, you really do need to give things time. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, 
for me personally, like I struggle a ton with like that community aspect. So my yoga practice, right? Like I have a yoga community, but obviously we're not in that yoga community. So online, going to classes online, um, it's not the same, but it's something that kind of pulls you uh, to some connections. And I've gone through like the ebb and flow of that, right? Um, And, you know, sometimes I just don't want to go on Zoom to do yoga, right? I just don't feel like it. But I do push myself a little bit just to keep that community aspect and just to say hello to different people who I haven't seen in a while, you know, just whatever, you know, that social interaction. Um, When I bring it to my students, I'm super aware of that. Like I, I'm super aware, especially in this uh, situation, like I am not next to them five days a week talking to them, reminding them, walking through things. Like I can only be, I can only walk alongside them. Um, you know, I'm only 25% of the equation, especially in this, you know, just having less time with them. They have got to rely on each other. They have got to have the self-responsibility and they've got to give themselves the time and the space and the opportunity to get it done. That's been as a teacher that I've learned so much, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not there every day and at the 10, you know, at the 10 minute mark of class, reminding them, coaching them and free, that's great. We just aren't there right now. So um, there's a lot of learning, a lot of learning, a lot of self-learning, a lot of reflection. But yeah, I love applying that. So it's 25% to you, 25% your teacher, 25% your community and time. I think that's really a great way to approach things. And I, especially, you know, I'm an extrovert. Like obviously like I'm someone that like listens to the sound of their own voice for a living. And, you know, you work with high school kids all the day. I have to imagine you have to be a little bit extroverted yourself. Has the pandemic, has it changed uh, kind of your own relationship to health and fitness at all? Are you doing things differently? Have you picked up new hobbies or ways of doing things during the last 10 months? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I've like learned so much. Like I said, like we're, you know, going from sharing an office with, you know, two other people being social all day and then teaching classes of 35 to 40 kids five times a day to go into working by myself in a small office, I was like, holy smokes, like, I think I'm depressed, you know, and it wasn't like something that I was like, this is depressing. I just began to notice like the wear and tear on my mental health. And that was like such a good lesson for me just in learning and applying to life and being more compassionate and empathetic to other people. Um, So yeah, I put more emphasis on making social connections virtually and safely um you know whether I do google meets or whatever it is with my colleagues or you know things like that or or yeah being on google meet with my students and just letting them see my face talking um and then having time for them to talk and them to speak um it's been hard like my personal wellness like I said I've picked up walking like I've suddenly just like, I want to go for two walks a day. And I think it's, it's so good. You know, I think we've evolved to, to walk. And I think walking is one of the best movement-based things that anyone can do. So that's just like something that I'm... It's kind of like the new great American pastime, right? It's just like oh. doing small circles throughout your neighborhood. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. It reminds like the simplicity of life. Like, you know, being outside walking, it just shifts you. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm still doing my yoga and I, I'm ebbing and flowing with that. You know, I love practicing yoga and I have a, you know, I enjoy a physical practice of yoga. 
I'm meditating a lot more than I was before. Uh, you know, and I like, yeah, you know, in April and in May, I was like, this is great. I have all this time to, you know, do yoga for <laughs> day. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, now I'm happy yoga. Like, I can't be bothered. And it's just, you know, the ebb and flow time of the year. And you, you do lose motivation when you're not as uh, hustle and bustle. When, you know, I used to move all day long and now I'm in a chair much, much I more. I, I can't imagine the whiplash of going from those huge classes. You've got your mic on. We're going, we're walking over to people, helping them out, talking to you're on your own. And you have to deal with that. I, I get it. Yeah. It's the same thing for me going from, you know, yeah. different events, talking to people, meeting new people, shaking hands, like professionally talking to strangers <laughs> and to, again, just a marathon of Zoom calls for 10 months. It's fascinating for me too. I think about like, you know, trying to balance that mental and physical wellness in your life, right? Like I was thinking about it and I think there's like, there's like three or four things I really count on for that. You know, there's the walking and running part of it. And then there's like reading that I know is going to make me feel really satisfied and really, you know, in the moment. And uh, one of my pandemic uh, things I picked up, uh, I, I've been learning how to play the piano since like May. And so like, all those things I know are going to make me feel really good and make me feel really satisfied. But then I like tend to be like, okay, well I have to do every single one of these every single day. And then I like, stress myself out about it. And I like, if, if you, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you neglect one of them while you're focusing on the other. And I'm like, listen, these are all good things. Calm down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I, you know, I, Sometimes I find myself feeling guilty because I'm not, you know, my social life has been zero, right? As most of us have. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? You know, I love reading too. I, I've been walking into those things, but, you know, time is so funny right now. I keep saying that. And, you know, especially during the winter, right? Like, even long term planning to me, I'm like, I can't do it because is it, is it useless? Like, what's going to, I have no idea. You know, if I've learned anything, it's that I know nothing, right? I know zero. Like, you know, we got hit by, by a four by four. All of us were expecting in March to keep living our lives. You know, we went from we downshifted our cars from fifth gear to you know reverse. And yeah, I know nothing. And so, I guess the expectations of things have have lessened. And I don't know. Yeah, I, my ability to long term plan is just like I'm not going to do it. I have no idea what's going to happen. I know. Someone asked me one of those questions a while back that was like, oh, like, what do you want to be doing in a couple of years? And I was like, a couple of years? <laughs> what, do you, what does that even mean? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I don't even know. I, I, I guess I hope I get to go to a baseball game in the next three years. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I have no idea what this summer is going to look like. How do I plan my, you know, my summer? And I feel bad about that too, as a, as a journalist, right? Because my job is asking questions. And so I feel like sometimes I'm asking people these crystal ball questions of like, what do you think it's going to be like when the pandemic's over? Which is like such a stupid question because like, no, I have no idea. But like, I feel like I have to ask these questions, but there's so many of them that we just know we don't have an answer to yet. That's such an interesting question to ponder though. And I think of that so often. So like, you know, I don't think it's going to be like a day one, open the door, the pandemic's over. It's going to right. be like, you're slow and rolling, right? But like, when will we even feel comfortable not walking walking into a room, not masked, 
when will we, you know, I was telling myself, like, when will I feel comfortable being around my family who is older in person without a mask? Like, when will I feel comfortable doing all these things again? And I'm just coming to realize that I just don't know. Like, none of us know, right? It all depends on so many variables that are changing all the time. And, right, and I, it's so personal for everyone, right? Like even yeah. during the pandemic, there's different levels of comfort for what you're going to be able to do. But yeah, it's like, it's not even a question of like, when can I go to a baseball game? But it's yeah. like, when can I do that and feel a hundred percent comfortable? Like nothing happened. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, yeah. I, I think about that all the time. Like what's the world going to look like post you know, post COVID-19, high anxiety, high stress pandemic, whatever. I mean, you, you teach in a place that has lots of people, like there's new people coming in every day. You've got lots of kids coming from all. Do you think that, again, I'm going to ask you a crystal ball question that you probably don't have an answer for, but it's like, I wonder if, you know, does education look exactly the same way? You know, do we have kind of that built-in, blended structure for people like the t the way that technology has made us all flexible how much does that stick around and you know how much do the masks stick around for some people i, I don't know but I, i'm fascinated to see it's so fascinating and interesting to think about and those are such good questions because i think that there's this pandemic has been extremely challenging for every person in, in different ways more on others um, but there's also been like this beauty uh, that has shown through and there is blessing in the burden. Um, so I'm hopeful that the things that we've, I'm hopeful that we can begin to partake in conversations of the things that we did learn that can be positive to take out of this, right? So we know education, like the system, you know, needed to have changes and shifts and be updated, but it was like how, and COVID came in and was like, you know, just blew it up. So you know, a return to normal, like, what does that mean? You know, we're not going to have this normalcy, you know, it's going to be post COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm hopeful that we can start to engage in the conversations of what was good, what needed to be changed, what did we learn during this time that is really um, good, uh, beneficial for our students, and what needs to be put back into place. Right. And whether we want to or not, we're never going back exactly to the way things were this time last year. Just that's just not possible. Right. And yeah. that is pretty much a question that, that you kind of answered my next question, which is, and for you specifically with physical education, with PE, are there any things that you've learned or seen in the last 10 months that you think, actually, this works really well. This is something that we could take with us on into the future, whatever that may look like. Yeah, that's such a great question. You know, I, I think about that often, and the, the true answer is I don't really know yet. Uh, I do know that, that in this, in the remote setting, um, you know, I'm learning the hybrid parallel model, but in the remote setting, some students were floating and flying, and I know some students were sinking. Um, so, you know, I think that... <clears throat> If we can look at our students as individuals, and uh, and that's hard in, in public education because you have to, you know, mass customization for all these kids. But if we could ask, like, what's the best for this student, and how can we accommodate them in the best way? Some of those students might enjoy some hybrid version of school. And I think as well as like um, 
not because, and my colleague said this the other day, not based on your age is where you move in school, but based on your ability level. So when you accomplish a certain amount of curriculum, then why can't you shift up and move into different classes? Right, kind why of the growth move? model of it all. Yeah. Yeah, right. Just because you're 15, why do you need to stay here and take this, right? Just how do you accelerate, you know, and how do you move those kids? How do you organize a school like that? Those are all like really legitimate questions we have to work on. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, some sort of a hybrid blended model, if approach done well, could be really beneficial for, for, for some of our students. And I think others of our students might be structure of a four or five day school day school week yeah actually well that was all I had for you question wise but I think the thing that we should end on is just like if you're if you're feeling you know you're maybe you're working from home like me someone out there that's just feeling kind of in a rut with uh, your mental and physical health what would be some things that you'd say just on a day-to-day basis something that you can do to you know, whether it be walking, you know, pausing for 10 minutes, what's something that's really helped you or you've seen as help the students during this time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think going for a walk, whether it's five or 10 minutes or 20 or 50 minutes, I think that's huge. Even in the cold weather, I think that walking is great. Being outdoors, especially when we are more indoors, I think just being outside is, is really great. I think meditation is a really powerful tool that is intimidating to a lot of people or think they can't do it. Or when they sit down to do it, they become more anxious and that's just all part of the process. But um, five minutes of just closing your eyes and sitting against a wall or sitting in a chair in a quiet space is gonna give you the benefits of meditation practice, which will be less um, stress and anxiety and less, less busy of a mind. Um, I think as well, like, yeah, like reach out to a community, whether that is, you know, Peloton community where you just feel energy from other people or you find, you know, you and five of your friends, you know, start a 30 day challenge together and text each other and keep each other accountable or say, wow, like this is what I did today or this workout was intense or, or, you know, I walked two miles or whatever it is, or say I was really tired. I couldn't do anything, whatever it is. Yeah. Just create some, some community around. Yeah, some, some conversation that's not just lamenting the state of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And keep your mind off things. It's important to be informed and to know what's going on, but it's also could be obsessive, right? Like take a break. I know. I even have to do that as someone that's you know does the news professionally. I'd be like, if you need to switch away and you know listen to some music, do that. We get it. Believe me, I do too. Yes. I you know I'm I'm not a professional, but I'll give I'll give my two cents in there. I was, Go to the yeah. forest preserve. Go to go to one near your house. See a deer. It's magic. It's unbelievable. That's right. And you know, there's this all this research. I just heard Sanjay Gupta talking about forest bathing. So there's this amazing new research coming out about the uh, high uh, density forests and their effect on your immune system. So more power to you. Run more trails. It's the best. Actually, I was just talking to a, a little bit ago a guy that does um, adventure therapy yeah, and then talking about the, just the benefits of, of being in the woods and, and moving around and being in that environment. And they're, they're talking about kind of the way that it almost not resets, but kind of recalibrates your brain. Once you've been in that space for like three days, like go camping for a weekend. And by the end of it, you're like serene 
And I'm like, 100%, it's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Shelly, well, hey, thanks so much. I'm really glad that we could make this conversation happen. Same, thank you so much. I always enjoy our talks. Thanks for listening, as always. Feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like Shelly. Send them our way, teacherslounge at niu.edu. And wherever you're in the podcast, subscribe, leave us a rating, share it, whatever you can do. It helps us get more perspectives on. Thanks to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ofs for the awesome music you hear in every single episode of this show. Kind Ofs is spelled like sweet and kind birds, K-I-N-D-O-V-E-S. Thanks to Spencer Tripp for making our Teacher's Lounge logo. And I have been your host, Peter Medlin. I'll be back with more Teacher's Lounge very soon. See ya.